Good morning. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 4, we'll be looking at verses 5 through 7. How many of us have ever acted prideful? How many of us have ever been lifted in pride? You know, we've all been affected by pride at one time or another. It's just, you know, pride is a fact of life that we have to deal with. It's something that we struggle with throughout our lives, being lifted in pride instead of being humble. Yet, when we look in the scripture, we find that in Proverbs chapter 6, Verse 17, it says that God hates a proud look. God hates pride. Pride is sinful. And God hates pride because it was pride that led to the downfall of Satan. Satan was lifted in pride and led a rebellion against God. But what we also find in the scripture is that God can humble the proud. He can humble the proud. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. You can look at James chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. It's written, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth after envy? But the Scripture offereth more grace... And therefore saith, God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that we could just meet today and just worship together. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today, that you would just... Illuminate your word for us and help us just to learn from it. And Lord, I just pray that you would speak through me and give me the words to say. Hide me behind the cross, Lord, and just let the words that are spoken be your words. And Lord, I just pray that you would just be with those that could not make it today, those that may be traveling, those that are sick and shut in, those that have lost loved ones. We just lift each one up to you, Lord, and just ask your blessings upon each one. And Lord, I just pray again that you would just be with me today, that you would just bind down Satan and let him have no part of this service. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, if there's anyone that needs to make any decision, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. We just ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Look at what's written in verse 5. And I want to start out with this. Look at what is written in verse 5. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain? Nothing in the Bible is said in vain. Every word is God-breathed, and every word in the Bible, every verse in the Bible, is for our benefit. It's for our edification. So we know whenever we read anything in the Bible, we will benefit from it. And what we find in the preceding verses, before we get into the, the passage that we read, is that as a Christian, as a child of God, 
We are not to love the world. We're not to love worldliness. As a Christian, as a child of God, we are to leave worldliness behind. We're to turn from our old way of living, our old nature, and we are to turn to God in repentance and we are to follow after God in all things. We leave sin behind and we are to walk in righteousness. Why? Look at what the scripture says. It says that being a friend of the world, loving the world, makes us an enemy of God. And if you look at verse 4, James 4, 4, James writes that being a friend of the world, basically loving the world and the things that are in the world, it puts us at enmity with God. Not only are we an enemy, it puts us at enmity with God, meaning that we oppose everything that is godly. Christians are not to live worldly lives. We're not to be friends of the world. We're to leave worldliness behind. Because loving the world and the things in the world makes us oppose God. It brings us in direct opposition with God. And that's why James says... Nothing in the Bible is written in vain. Nothing in the Bible is written in vain. And then he says that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth after envy. Basically what that means is, is that the spirit that God gives us when he fills us with the Holy Spirit, it makes us want to follow God. The spirit yearns for God. And when we fall to worldliness... When we start following worldliness, the Spirit of God envies that. Because we see in the Old Testament that God is a jealous God. And he does not want us worshiping idols. He does not want us worshiping the things of the world. He wants all of our worship. We therefore should be yearning for him. We should be following the the spirit that he has put in us. At all times. But why? It comes down, I believe, to pride. You know, after we have received Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we fall to sin, it's pride. We want to follow our own way. We want to do our own thing. That's pride. That causes that. Think about it. When we're lifted in pride, are we yearning for God or are we grieving the Holy Spirit? We're grieving the Holy Spirit. (laughs) 
When we're lifted in pride, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Because when we are lifted in pride, we are sinning against God. Why? You know, there's two different types of being proud. You know, we can say we're proud to be an American. Basically, we want to have our chin lifted high. We're proud that we live in this free country. But that's not the pride that affects us. When we're affected with pride, the sin of pride, instead of lifting our chin, we're lifting our nose at everything. We're looking down on other people. We think we're better than anyone and everyone else. Hey, look at me. Look at what I have accomplished. Look at all these things I have done. That's sinful. That's the sin of pride that's spoken about in the Bible. When we're lifted with pride, we're sinning and we're not yearning for God. Basically, we're opposing God. Because pride leads to worldliness. Sin. And love of the world. The Bible says God resisteth the proud. He hates pride. And we see in the Bible that he abases the proud. Now what do I mean? He humbles the proud. He humbles the proud. Turn over to Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter 4, we have a story of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And what happens? Nebuchadnezzar was a very prideful man, and he has a dream. God sends him a vision. And in this vision, pretty much God was saying that he wanted Nebuchadnezzar to be humble and not lifted in pride, and that he wanted Nebuchadnezzar to know that it was God who sets up kingdoms. That it was God who put him on the throne. And God could take that throne away. And Nebuchadnezzar was troubled by this dream. And he calls in Daniel and Daniel interprets it for him. And then what we see is a year goes by. A year goes by. And Nebuchadnezzar becomes lifted in pride once again. And look at verses 26 through, through 34. It says, And at the end of twelve months he walked in the royal palace of Babel. And the king spake and said, Is not this great Babel that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Look at the pride there. Ah! did all this. If Frank Sinatra lived back during that time, he would have been singing, I did it my way, just like Frank did. I did this. This is mine. 
And it says that as soon as the words was in the king's mouth, while the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came down from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee be it spoken, thy kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as the oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou knowest that the Most High beareth rule over the kingdom of men, and giveth it unto whomsoever he will. The very same hour was the, this thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as the oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown as eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws. And at the end of these days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, now look at this, it goes from Daniel writing this to Nebuchadnezzar, telling Daniel what happens. And at the end of these days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding was restored unto me, and I gave thanks unto the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose power is an everlasting power, and his kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and according to his will he worketh in the army of heaven and in the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand nor say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time was my understanding restored unto me, and I returned to the honor of my kingdom. My glory and my beauty was restored unto me, and my counselors and princes sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and my glory was augmented toward me. Now therefore I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and magnify the King of heaven, whose works are all truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Look at Nebuchadnezzar, lifted in pride, and God humbles him. God humbles him. Now, how did God humble him? Pretty much, he made Nebuchadnezzar think he was an animal. He made him think he was an animal. And it says that Nebuchadnezzar was driven from his palace, driven from his throne, and pretty much they kept him outside and he ate grass like an ox. He thought he was an animal. It says his hair grew long like bird's feathers and his fingernails and toenails grew long like eagle's talons, bird claws. He thought he was an animal. He was so lifted in pride that the way God humbles him is he makes him think he's an animal. And he lets him live like that. And he let him live like that for seven years. It says seven times passed over him, seven seasons, seven years. He was like this, thinking that he was an animal. Driven from his throne, driven from everything that he knew. And then when that seven years was up, the time God had allotted for his punishment, what happens? It says when his understanding came back, when he comes to himself, the first thing he does is lift his eyes toward heaven and he praises, honors, 
and glorifies God. The prideful Nebuchadnezzar became humble. He humbled himself before God. Yes, God had humbled him. But then when he turned his eyes toward heaven and he gave praise to God, he was humbling himself before God. And he was restored to his former glory. God reestablishes his kingdom. Again, look at what he says in verse 34. Now therefore, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and magnify the king of heaven, whose works are all truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. God humbled Nebuchadnezzar when he was lifted in pride. And I want you to think about something. If God could do that to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, someone who was an absolute ruler over his kingdom, and he was so absolute in his rule that the only way that a law could be changed that he had written was for him to write another law. If God could do that to Nebuchadnezzar, he could do that to anyone that is lifted in pride. God can humble those who call upon him. Now what do I mean? He can humble the Christian just as he humbled the pagan Nebuchadnezzar. He can humble the Christian. When we're lifted in pride, God does not like that. Pride is sinful. And if you don't believe that God can humble someone who, who is calling upon his name, who is following God, look at David. When David was lifted up in pride because of his kingdom and because of all the power that he had, what did he do? He lusted after another man's wife. Had that man killed, what was his punishment? God humbled him and drew him from his throne. A civil war broke out in Israel. And it destroyed David's family. And then what happens? David was lifted up in pride again when he was restored to his throne. And he numbered the children of Israel. God humbled him. By sending a plague. God hates the sin of pride. And he humbles the proud. But what do we also see? It says he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Think about that. What happened when Nebuchadnezzar, who God had humbled, lifted up his eyes and praised God and humbled himself before God? God restored him. God restored his kingdom. 
God restored his beauty. He had given praise and honor and glory to God, and God restored him. What happened with David? David repented of his sin. David was ultimately restored to the throne when David humbled himself. But David still had to bear the price of his sin. When David numbered the children of Israel, David humbled himself and offered sacrifices to God because he had sinned. But he still had to pay the punishment for that sin. Bear the price of it because of that plague and what he had done. God humbles the proud, but he can give grace to those who humble themselves before them. God showed grace and restored Nebuchadnezzar to the throne. Now think about it. God could have left Nebuchadnezzar acting like an animal, but he didn't. He restored him. God could have placed another man on the throne, but instead God showed grace when Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself. What does that tell us? It tells us that when we humble ourselves. As James says in verse 10, God will lift us up. He'll show us his grace. Now why does God show grace to the humble? It's because the humble are relying on him. The humble are reliant upon him. One of the first steps in salvation, we have to admit that we're a sinner and that we, have, that we are in need of a Savior. That's humbling ourselves. We have to humble ourselves. We can't be lifted in pride and expect to be saved because what does pride do? Pride says, I'll get to heaven my own way. Humility says, I need the Son of God. I need the grace of God. I need forgiveness. God shows grace to the humble because the humble are relying upon him and they are not lifted in sinful pride. Instead, the humble know that God is in control of all things. And God is in control of all things. Likewise, the humble are grieved. If you continue reading and down in James, the humble are grieved because of sin. We're grieved because of the things that we see in the world. The humble are meek at heart. And they seek the will of God. They don't seek worldliness. Pride and being lifted in pride leads to sin. The humble submit to God and his leadership and lordship over them. That's the difference between humility and pride. Pride seeks their own way. The humble seek God and his way and his lordship over their lives. 
And what does James say? When we submit to God, when we resist Satan, the temptations of Satan, through the power of God, Satan flees. Because we have humbled ourselves before God. You know, the way we act, it reminds me of this little story. Have y'all ever heard the story of the proud little woodpecker? The story goes that this little bitty woodpecker, he sees this tree, and he starts to peck at that tree. Just peck, 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 peck at that tree. And then a storm comes up, and lightning hits the tree and splinters the tree, destroying it. The little woodpecker's not hurt. And he flies off. But as he's flying off, he looks back at the tree and he sees that the tree's splintered and split and everything and he says, my, look at what I did. Not look at what the lightning did, look at what I did. That's how we are sometimes. Look at what I did. Nebuchadnezzar was the same way. Look at what I did. David was the same way. Look at what I did. And look at what I can do as king. Sometimes as Christians, we get lifted up in pride and we say, look at what I can do. Instead, we need to be saying, what can God do? What can God do? You know, instead of saying, look at what all I've done, all I've accomplished, when in reality, we're nothing without God. Think about that. We're nothing without God. All we have comes from God. God has blessed us in many different ways, and all we have, we owe to him. All we've accomplished, job, education, comes from God. Clothing, home, food, comes from God. Our very being, everything that we are, comes from God. Who we are comes from God. We can do nothing and we are nothing without God. God gives us life. He gives us brains. He gives us family, friends. Everything we have, we owe to God. We're never to be lifted in pride because we owe everything to him. Instead, we are to submit to him were to flee pride. Turn away from sin and temptation. Turn away from the things that Satan throws in our past and resist the devil in the name of God. And Satan will flee from us. And then as James 4.10 states, just to paraphrase it, we're to humble ourselves before God. And instead of being lifted up in pride, we are to let God lift us up. Let's stand for prayer.
Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your word and that we can learn from it. And Lord, I just pray that we, you would just be with us during this time of invitation. And Lord, again, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, if there's anyone that needs to make any decision, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us. Overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.